This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanol, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. They say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. This is definitely the case for our next guest, who found himself captivated by the humble dairy product, cheese. I'm so excited to welcome Anthony Femia onto the show today. He's the owner of Maker and Monger, an all-encompassing cheese shop located in Paran Markets here in Melbourne. I'm so excited to dive deep into Anthony's story and learn how he ditched his pursuit of stability for his passion, his story to becoming an internationally recognised cheesemonger, and how we can redefine our version of success. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Anthony Femia. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. So, you know, you and I connected recently through one of our past podcast guests, Linda Monique. And, you know, when I looked into you and all the awesome work that you were doing at Maker and Monger, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you very much. Of course. Great. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So Maker and Munger is a, it's an all-encompassing cheese shop at the Paran Market. Uh, we, we've dubbed it the Chapel of Cheese. Um, so you can get everything from fresh milk right through to a cooked product. And our mantra is like, let cheese ignite your senses. So when you, you walk into the market, you see our beautiful neon sign, you hear the vibe of the shop, you smell the cheese, and then you're guided through an incredible experience from our our staff there. So it's just creating an experience of joy for, for everybody. So it's not food-focused, it's not sales-focused, it's more let cheese bring enjoyment to, to people. And where I sort of fit in is I'm a uh, cheesemonger and cheese mature or an affineur by, by trade and training and... Um, it's always been a goal of mine to to open this shop, and it was a long. It's been a long and arduous road. We'll we'll definitely hear about that over the next hour. And um, like, it's not all all glory, but um, it's it's very fulfilling work. Like, I really enjoy 
waking up every day and going down there and um, and serving people and becoming friends with our customers because there's nothing like working in a marketplace where you watch people growing up. Like we've seen, we've been there now five years and we've seen kids become adolescents, adolescents become young adults, people get married. We're always the second person to find out when someone's pregnant because it's first the doctor and then it's the cheesemonger because they can't <laughs> eat their cheese anymore. So we're also secret holders. So, yeah, that's no, a pretty, pretty fun gig. Mm. Love it. Oh, oh, I cannot wait to dive deeper into that. Before we do, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life, in yeah. your career so far? Yeah, so dad's a um, financial controller or a bookkeeper at the moment. Uh, he's always been that. And mum has always been in food. And um, like her family have owned food shops before when my parents parents or my grandparents came out from Italy. They had a fruit shop uh, there in the uh, 60s in Sydney. Uh, so that had a huge shaping on on what I wanted to do. Like when I first, uh, when I graduated from high school, I, I went to Macquarie University and took up applied finance because uh, I wanted to follow dad's footsteps of the finance industry. Uh, I was also forced to follow his footsteps, <laughs> uh, by the That's way. not lie. <laughs> uh, my elder brother, he... He kind of dropped the baton, so it was up to me to pick it up. Um, but no, in all seriousness, Dad wanted us to have a, a solid education. Um, like I was always good at sports at school and excelled with creativity as well, but wasn't encouraged to do any of that further um, because it, it didn't bring money in. So it wasn't the right mentality to have and um, uh, I did my university degree and upon graduation, that was it. I just didn't want to do finance again. And whilst I was at uni, I started working in a food shop with mum uh, down there at Ringamall there in the Northern Beaches. And just secretly between her and I, we, we made a pack that once I graduated, um, I would follow her footsteps with, with food. And um, I didn't know it was going to be cheese at the time. I knew it was going to be a, a food shop um, because I loved the experience of where people would come up to her and she'd, her wealth of knowledge of how to cook things was was remarkable uh, and still is. And there's people lining up to be served just by her to how to use this product, how to use that. You know, her tiramisu was famous through Sydney, her pavlova. Like people would travel across the bridge and in Sydney no one travels across the bridge. <laughs> you stay in your suburb and um, people would come for her tiramisu and then you know, her big white hair and her big smile and I wanted to replicate that. Like I loved that interaction with customers, that old style of customer service and and educating people whilst giving them joy because our family, especially mum's side, it was always bringing food to the table for everybody. So Christmas, Easter, the weekends, every Saturday we were at one side of the family then Sundays we were at the other and it was always a dinner table or lunch table. It didn't matter what you were doing and everybody would get together and it's like that the comedies where you watch for the old Italian woman, that was my grandma, like, have more, have more. And they wouldn't eat until everybody was eating and, you know, three pop, three bowls of pasta later or five schnitzels later and be like, come on, you're, you're too skinny. And um, it was just that, just that deep seed of um, being surrounded by food and what food meant to our family that was sort of what transpired in me. And then once I got a job at a food shop, um, it, it really cemented in me what I wanted to do. And once I graduated, I ran off to Europe for six months and did the Greek islands with the boys. And then after three weeks, I did my own thing for the next few months of working through Italy and 
cheesemakers, balsamic vinegar producers, you name it, just immersing myself in that culture. And when I got back, I got a job at a cheese shop and the rest is history. I fell in love with the, the history of cheese, the way it tastes, how it changes, what people do with it, where it's not just on the cheese plate, you can use it in cooking and um, just borrowed a book. Old mum brought me a book. It was the Will Studs Chalk and Cheese. It was one of his, or his first book. And it was like the Bible uh, of cheese and read that cover to cover a couple of times and that was it. Yeah. And wow. So I began the journey in cheese, which is lifelong because there's so many aspects. There's retail, there's maturation, there's microbiology, there's making, you name it. You never stop learning and all of us should do something where we, you never stop learning because that's what, you know, we, we need that. You need that goal. I could not agree more and I think – Hearing your story back, I've listened, I've read it before, but hearing it all back now, I'm like, wow, it's even, it's even more expansive than I thought. And I read it. So, look, I want to dive a bit deeper into back into those early years when you kind of decided that you know what, you're studying your finance. You're like, no, nah, this isn't right. You know, I think so many of us have had a similar experience to you, where you know, maybe our parents thought that's the best path so they can get a safe job and a good, you know, education and and you know. Um, provide for themselves so you know but then but then you had this you know you had your mum there being like no no no, like follow your passion you know what was it like having those two kind of polar voices coming in your ears during that time and what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who are struggling with that now yeah it was it was very difficult because um dad being like a traditional Italian and and having my grandfather quite strict it was a very sort of physical upbringing, uh, if you know what I mean. Um, it was usually the belt or the belt buckle um, to get to convince you otherwise. Um, and it was hard. It was it was hard seeing, like, friends being quite successful at university as well, um, getting cadetships with, say, Commonwealth Bank, um, which one of them got, uh, HSBC, and then going to parties and people asking, what do you do? And you say, oh, I work in a deli. Um, and that back at that age, it was, you know, oh, you just work in a deli. It was like, oh, you work as a barista back then, like people didn't see it as a career path. So it was all those voices in your head um, and you continually question yourself because at that age you're thinking, okay, I want to retire by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have a house, I'm going to have family, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to travel the world. Um, and there's so many emotions and, and ideas going through your head and you want to get to the finishing line straight away and it's not the, the correct way. You need to lay that foundation and, and mum kept telling me that like all those sort of motivational quotes of you know if you put your mind to it it will happen and and it is true and what what that means is you it's that visualize internalize and and realize like you need to do that you need to visualize what you want to do internalize it sell it to yourself because you don't need to sell it to anybody else like at the dinner parties or at the you know in the clubs when a girl would laugh at me and go oh you work at a deli ignore that ignore the noise um and and then realize it like put into place what you need to do like okay what courses do i need to do to be do that particular subject or that particular field who do i need to take on as a mentor and at that time when i was 24 i met a couple who were customers at first but then they became amazing mentors and they're both entrepreneurs, like um, one which is Peter, he, he owns Inamo, which is a uh, little um, pay pass um, device that Visa's now using. Uh, so, 
this summer you'll be able to use your sunnies and your watch, et cetera, to pay for things. Um, they're doing a big, big advert with Australian Open. And then Anne-Marie, his partner, she's worked for Amex, Google. Uh, she's now with Uber, uh, with Uber Eats. And they were the voice of reason, like mum and dad were the voice of emotion. Um, dad was always risk adverse because my grandparents, the fruit shop didn't work. Big language barrier in the 60s, plus there was a lot of racial tension where they moved to in Sydney. So he didn't want that for us. He wanted the, the safe option of a nine to five job. And my personality and creativity, I can't do nine to five. I need spontaneous, I need like vision, I need goals, um, everyday work and it's it was hard it was I had to leave home and I was lucky enough to um, earn a, um, a scholarship I won best cheesemonger in Sydney um, back then and at that stage it was very hard working hospitality because I was working for some owners who were doing some very dodgy things like you read now about you know Columbaris etc with a wage theft back then it was even worse and um, in terms of bullying etc and you were there as a a means to an end, like you were just there to make them money. So, and there wasn't a cheese school to go to, like in France, there's not a dairy. So, you have to do a lot of your own learning. So, that internalizing, so the first of visualizing and the internalizing was okay, I need to do self tuition. I need to ask the right people the right things. I need to train my palate. I need to invest in me. And I did that. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice. Like the last 10 years have been solid focus on cheese industry and getting to the end goal of my own shop. So the other, I guess, word of advice is never give up. Like there's ups and downs, but just surround yourself with incredible people. Find someone who can be a mentor who's not emotionally attached to you, who can read the black and white for you, telling you how it is. And you need that. Like we all have that argument in our head thousands and thousands of times when we're about to go to sleep, you know, that white noise, like say you've got to leave a job and you've got to resign or you're leaving somewhere where you're working as a contractor and you'll play that argument over and over and over in your head. You need someone else who you can talk to who's just black and white, puts it into bullet points and just says, this is how you got to stick to your plan. Done, done, done. Tick those lists and then move, keep moving forward. And then there's that sort of quote from Denzel Washington as well of, you know, never having a fallback, always fall forward. So don't do like I did where I had, you know, finance as a backup. It would say, no, I got to immerse myself in the world of cheese. I have to fall forward. If it doesn't work out at this shop, there's another shop. If it doesn't work at that shop, there's cheese making. If it doesn't there, I can do this. And people need that. Like if you're an aspiring actor and, you know, you're always turning up to gigs and getting turned down in auditions, that's fine. There's other avenues you can go through. There's other training you can do. There's voiceover work. There's stunt doubles, that sort of thing. Like if one door closes, that's fine. There's other, as long as you're willing to sacrifice and put the effort in, um, yeah, you can achieve. And yeah, like I had a lot of adversity. I, I, um, I had a back injury. When I was 27 um, and I spent a whole year of not being able to work, I had surgery and stupidly um, wore the surgery socks at home and slipped down a whole bunch of stairs. So I did all that work of that ruptured disc and literally spent 11 months in bed not being able to move and not earning income. Uh, so that was tough and being in Melbourne on my own um, was very hard and to motivate myself I applied for a Churchill Fellowship um, 
in um, in the study of cheese maturation and microbiology and how to sort of set up a national cheese in society uh, for small farms. And if you ever want to apply for a Churchill Fellowship, I strongly recommend it. It's if you can't learn anymore in your industry in Australia, you have to go overseas to further your knowledge. And if it benefits your industry and benefits society as a whole, go for it. And it's an incredible an inspiring group of people like these are industry leaders in cancer research in um, uh, uh, you name it in any science medic- medical these are incredible people and the head chair is Linda Dassault who's the um, uh, the governor of Victoria and you go through this incredible interview process uh, you fill out the forms you find a mentor in your industry to support you so then you already set yourself up with that mentor too so you might not have known them and then if you don't get that scholarship, at least you've made that contact with someone above you who you can learn from. And um, it's what got through me through that year. Um, and when that letter came in the mail that said I was awarded that fellowship, uh, it was amazing. Mum and Dad flew down. We went to the governor, um, the, the, the government house there at um, the Botanical Gardens. I still remember it. And um, Linda DeSoe, of course, got up. Oh, no, sorry, the previous governor at the time got up to talk about the 30 people in Victoria who won it that year and, like, of the 3,000 to be one of those 30 and, and the only one in food was pretty inspiring. And it was funny. He goes, like, oh, there's this one award that I'm happy to give where it's cheese and that's my favourite thing. And then my mum in the background, like, oh, that's my son. <laughs> the waterworks started and oh, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. Like, there was a guy... Um, Next to me, he was studying how po- positive protein plus po- positive protein, when you put those two together uh, internally, can cure one form of cancer. And then there was another guy uh, who was looking at how Lego um, brings together um, uh, parents with their kids who have um, – uh, what's that thing that Rain Man had um, oh, with Tom Cruise? Um, um. Oh, it's escaped me. But- where their emotions are too powerful and they, they shut off. Um, but Lego bridges that gap, like parents and their kids can interact. So he was going over to Denmark to study that and and here I was doing doing cheese. uh, (laughs) I I absolutely love the fact that there's so many points you made, you know, just throughout recounting your journey when when it comes to kind of I think one of the main ones was when it comes to owning what you're doing, you know, not having that backup plan and going, you know what, I am going to be in cheese and this is what I'm going to do. You know, how can we, most of us don't have the courage to do that. We don't own it. We just go, oh, maybe I will dabble and we dabble here, we dabble there. And then we, unfortunately, most of the time don't see much success or and we don't really, it doesn't eventuate how we pictured it. What advice would you give to our peers out there listening who are struggling with that, you know, who who don't know how to own or maybe they do know, but they're not going to commit. They're not committing to owning it. What advice would you give? Uh, visioning. So mm. visioning is a, a process of uh, – it's like a journal entry. You, you pick a day in the future, whether it's a year from now, three years from now or five years, and you, you write what success looks like to you on that day. So for me it was, for example, um, when I opened Maker Munger in 2015, it was just a tiny little cart and I wrote a vision uh, that in two years' time – it would be an all-encompassing cheese shop. We'd be making cheese on site. Um, 
we've just booked out in another amazing cheese and wine night that's happening this weekend. We have a van that's delivering to the five best uh, restaurants in Melbourne, showcasing local cheeses. We're travelling once a week every Monday to Mornington, to Yarra Valley, to pick up fresh cheeses that we're maturing on site. We have a cadetship program in France that we get a cheesemonger every six months training. So it's a journal entry of what you want your life to be like on that day. And then once you have that, you work backwards. So you work backwards in terms of strategy and then tactics. And what you do with that is you you have it written down. It can't be in your head because it's when it's written down in front of you, whether it's on a wall or on your desk, it gives you, it's like, the rudder of a ship it straightens you so when you have those days where you feel like it's not working out instead of having those arguments in your head and everything builds up in your chest and you get that tightness in your chest and i know everybody knows what i'm talking about with that that anxiety and instead of going to a doctor for um valium or whatever it may be or acupuncture it's opening up that book with your vision in it or looking at that wall with your vision and and rereading it and that sets you straight again like it sounds easy, but it works because you look at that day in the future and you're like, okay, that's what success is for me. How do I work back from that? What am I doing wrong? What am I focusing on? Because a lot of us, like me, especially I can, especially when we were doing our build for this shop, I was focusing on all the the everyday noise. Like we went through a, a legal issue um, to get open. When we opened the shop, I had a restraining order against a fellow tenant because he pulled a knife on me. Um, we had a lot of detractors in the industry who weren't happy that I went out on my own. I had a previous boss from the shop that I'd set up before this who, you know, was trying to make life very difficult because I left there and, you know, uh, it, and you hear all that noise, you see all that and, and it can be deterring. You're like, sh- you know, people don't want me to succeed and it's just stick to that vision and every now and then you might need to adjust it, like something out of your control might happen and you then just readjust that that vision, but you you need to always have some form of a goal or a vision to work towards, and strong, sound strategy and tactics. Like tactics and strategy are different. Like strategy is having, like for example, for us now, have a successful Christmas. That's a strategy. Um, tactics are okay. Staff training. Do they know about the cheeses? Do they know how to upsell and side sell? Like we've got amazing cheese. Do they know what pairs well with that? Um, another tactic is how to cut cheese properly, providing customers with cheese care feedback. Do we have their email there on our mailing system? Can we let them know about our hampers that are coming up for Christmas? Do they know that we cater? Do they know that we do amazing platters? So these are all the little tactics then that we then let the people know. And from there, you then come up with guiding principles. How is it that you want to represent yourself and your brand and who you are? Like your guiding principles might be, um, for us, for example, we're an all-encompassing um, style of management, so it's not autocratic. So when I have meetings with my staff, everybody provides input and we discuss those. It's not me going in saying, okay, guys, from now on, this is how we do things, boom, 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 boom. You can't handle that and then you leave. Like I grew up with that, those type of managers and owners. So you do that in your life as well. Like, Do I need to go to that party tonight? No. That's not part of my guiding principles of what I need to succeed tonight. I'm going to read that book. Or I'm going to watch that YouTube clip, that Joe Rogan or whatever it might be and think, okay, how do I do this? Um, is there a course I need to sign up for? Can I talk to my accountant? Maybe I can get a tax break on that course because it furthers what I'm trying to achieve. Is there something at university or college? 
Um, is there industry um, newsletters that I should be signed up to? Who are the people on Instagram that I should be following? Not the influencers, but who are the people in my industry who are, are leading the way that can just spark an idea and, and have a notebook and notepad that you can just write on, not your phone, because if you use your phone, you then procrastinate on Facebook and Insta. So having that little ideas notebook and then keep going back to that vision. Like does those new little ideas, do they fit in with that vision of mine of one year's time, two years time or three years time? Does that work? And then that gives you discipline because we all need that discipline. Our attention spans are shrinking and we need that constant reminder, that that thing written down that's not on a phone that we can close the screen that's always there in front of us. Huge. And I couldn't agree more. I think in this day and age it's just, it's ridiculous. It's getting too ridiculous. So much noise out there. So much noise. You know, how do you you stay focused on your goals? How do you even stay as diligent, you know, as you have and kind of, you know, actually follow through with what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Something I find really interesting about you is the fact that you you always mention these people, these mentors, mm-hmm. and they seem to, whether it's your team or whether it's the people that are kind of in your industry that you look up to or you said yeah. that couple that you mentioned, you know, and it seems to me like you turn to these kind of people. You look to people to gain inspiration for yourself. Yes. You know, for those of us who are looking to maybe do a similar thing, yeah. how can we find those right people that we can turn to yeah. when we really need to be set straight, as you said, no emotion, not the family, but outside of that? Mm-hmm. How can we so find those people? It's, it all sort of correlates with, with your, your vision. So once you've set that vision up, look at other people in your industry who, who might have achieved something similar already. Um, and then be humble about the way you, you approach them. Um, be honest and upfront and with no hidden agendas and just say, look, I want to learn from you. Um, whether it's five minutes of your time, 10 minutes, can I buy you a coffee? Offering them an incentive to help you is, is important, not just assuming that they're going to find, because usually they're super busy. Like I found, like I beat myself up so much about it. Where I was like always worried, like, no, 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 that person, like the owner of Neil's Yard Dairy, which is the best cheese shop in the world at the Borough Markets in London, is not going to have time for me in Melbourne. But I finally rolled the dice. I made that call. I, I cold called him via email and just introduced myself. And he was wrapped. Um, he was like, okay, wow, that's somebody in Australia who wants to learn from me. Um, I'm going to find time. And it's like, what incentive for him was that we were going to recreate a cheese shop similar to their philosophy and we were going to sell their cheese um, eventually. So there was that financial benefit for him uh, as well as just that thrill. Like for me, people have approached me to mentor them and I have because it's that enjoyment internally. As you show someone, you also learn more yourself. So take that mantra on too. Like they might be the figureheads of your industry or they might be an inspiring person, but they're just like you. Like all of us never put someone on a pedestal. As soon as you put them on a pedestal, you get intimidated, you get shy, you regret as well because you probably haven't asked them or haven't approached them. So approach them as a normal person um, by being humble about it and just saying, you know, what were you like when you started? Because no one started with greatness uh, unless you're the royal family. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like just approach it tactfully, it could be your accountant as well. Like they see it black and white. Like if you're starting a business, having a really good bank manager as well. I was very lucky when we expanded Maker and Munger, we found we got rejected by every bank um, because uh, the previous manager of the, the market who's no longer there, um, 
he didn't give us a lease on our new area. So we were building something without the cement and foundation of a lease and no bank would touch me. And so we're taking out a cash flow to to pay builders just deposits just to get them starting. And then by chance we found a guy from the NAB who, who has a restaurant um, and he understood the trials and tribulations of owning a hospitality business. And so he became a mentor because we could swap stories. Like I helped him because his restaurants aren't doing as well as well, like as good as what we are in terms of the buzz and PR, et cetera. So we exchanged ideas. How can you help me finance my dream? Like realistically, what's our amount of money that we're allowed? Um, you know, do I need to go with the brass fittings or do I do copper? Is it steel work or is it aluminium coated? That kind of thing. So that's a mentor. And then in exchange, I gave him something. And so I guess in a roundabout way, it's it's finding people who you feel can help grow you without using them. So take some and give some, I guess, is the, the way. And, and, and like I said, always be humble about it and approach them in a nice manner. Don't chase them. Don't hit them up at a party or a restaurant. Approach them. Uh, with with something in exchange and usually people will always say yes because we all want to help when you always have to give back you can't always be selfish if you're selfish then yeah bugger off yeah (laughs) bugger off I love it I think I think that's just such a great point that you made that value exchange you know I think so many of us are that and then I think the second part was not to put people on a pedestal you know when I tell people that I interview the Forbes 30 under 30 phenomenal people like yourself awesome entrepreneurs you know um you're the literally the leading cheesemonger in the country you know when I tell people this they actually they their mouths for one their jaws drop and then the second thing they go but aren't you nervous to speak to these kind of people like don't you get like nervous don't you get shy why had why would you ask them what if they say no all these kind of things and I think it's just so valuable to kind of bring that up in discussion around you know they're just people too you know and even going into your story like the struggles that you've faced at the beginning to get this started even now to get the cheese shop going you know I think it's dispelling the all the shiny things and the titles and actually just looking at the raw person and going, this person's just like me. They've just a little bit more ahead than I am. Um, so I love that you mentioned that. Look, I wanted to have a bit deeper into a question that's just been in the back of my mind is why cheese? Like, why did you pick cheese? You mentioned that, you know, you knew it was always going to be a shop. It was always going to be food. Why cheese? It's the emotions and the, the memory trigger for a lot of people that like we all grew up eating some form of dairy or cheese, like whether it be the ultimate milkshake. Like I worked at it and my first ever job was New Zealand Natural and I was getting paid five thirty-five an hour and I would make the ultimate thick shake before I got fired for making the ultimate thick shake. <laughs> but that's a memory trigger. So every time I go to a gelato shop, that's what I think of is, oh, I remember that hokey pokey ultimate milkshake. And as kids, you know, eating cheese, like whether they the cheese strings or the smiley cow, it was always some form of a reward. Um, and with European families as well, like cheese was always at the end of a great meal or before an amazing meal. And so it evoked memories. And when I was working in that deli with mum, you know, the cold meats weren't that interesting. The things on the shelf weren't that interesting, but it was cheese. For some reason, cheese always makes people smile and they enjoy themselves. And it's such a world that no one really knows anything about. Like we know brie, we know cheddar, 
we know bite, we know sharp, we know uh, what else, runny, gooey, those words. We don't know the history of Gruyere. We don't know how the monks on their way back through France, going back home to Ireland, left recipes during the Black Plague all along France to then create wash rind cheeses like Pont l'Evêque, Liveroux, um, Comte, and all those alpine cheeses were made in summer. So in winter they had sustenance when the cows weren't being milked because they weren't eating fresh grass. They were in, in, indoors because of the snow. Um, how the Saracens left goats all the way along the Loire River through France on their way to England. Oh, it wasn't England back then, but as they were taking over um, parts of Europe, they were leaving goats and sheep, and that's now goats, milk cheeses in, in Loire Valley, like little shoes. Because of that, like the history, it was incredible. Like I've always loved studying history through school, whether it was modern history or um, ancient history i love creativity so creating a cheese plate creating menus and that satisfied that part of my personality and then that part of the personality of where i got from mum and her side of the family of bringing food to the table in like connecting people through food that was cheese for me like there's nothing better for me than creating something for someone and them coming back the next week and saying hey that was amazing we had this incredible wine with it and that night was awesome because of those those cheeses and that's the buzz like that whatever you do in your life you look for that one internal thing it's not ego it's not money it's that internal satisfaction that buzz that's it those customers coming back and then becoming friends through their experiences with us like i go over every year to pick flavors of cheese for our shop for our customers because i know they're going to appreciate it it's not so i can boast about it and say oh hey i'm the only one it's like no the best cheesemongers in France, in England, they do that and their customers grow up only buying from that shop and they share memories over that piece of cheese. It could be their first date, it could be a wedding anniversary, it could be a family function, it could be you know, a funeral, whatever it may be. Our piece of cheese is there and it helps with that emotion and, and it comes back to our mantra of igniting the senses. So that smell, when you smell something, it's 40% of your taste when you breathe in your retronasal kicks in so cheese which is like a high fat texture product brings out more flavor so then you learn more about your tongue and your palate and you pair things whether it's whiskey sake wine beer it's just an education so it's no longer just a commodity like we never promote cheese as a commodity it's never how can i help you or how much would you like or that's ten dollars it's hey let me show you what we just opened today hey taste this like it's taste first concept and that's what solidified it for me way back then was like wow this world of cheese is is awesome like it just it's never ending and then the whole microbiology like when that when i won that scholarship and learning about that about the rinds of cheese like when i spent time in vermont with um uh what was her name uh she was the food microbiologist at harvard and she was learning and studying about 2000 years of understanding about how bacteria works on the rind of a cheese and she changed it like she spent two years studying how do these uh, bacteria occur. Like for so long, we, for the long short of it, like we thought it was B. linens or Brevibacterium that grow on the rind of a cheese, but it's not. It's um, Carini bacteria, which is what's on everything that we breathe it in. It's on our hands, on our clothes. Every time you walk into a, a maturing room, you impart or you impact the growth of that cheese because you're leaving a little bit of good bacteria there. And then it's like, how do you create a high humid environment? at 10 degrees and 90% relative humidity. How do you do that without a fan or a humidifier? How do you create this natural environment for these great, perfect 
positive bacteria to grow, to grow on that cheese and help bring out the flavor of that milk. Because a cheesemaker, they don't manipulate. They just take a raw product and through gentle care and understanding of science, create a, a morsel of food and let it spoil naturally itself with alchemy to then create a flavor. So it's understanding everything there. And I'm blessed that I chose that. Like it's hard, hard work, but it's rewarding seeing people at the end tasting that, whether it's one of our toasties, like the ultimate toasty, whether it's a fondue at home or, you know, goat's curd in summer with the cherries that are just starting now from Mornington or Tassie when they kick in. Like there's, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Honestly, I... I personally love cheese, so hearing about this, I'm like so into it. I should have brought some cheese. (laughs) We're at the SV as well. We might as well have. Um, But I think as we come to the close of today's episode, some of the last questions I want to ask is are around, I guess, firstly, finding your thing. So, right, you found your thing, right? And it was through a lot of kind of hustle and, and struggle and whatnot, but you know, you talked about earlier, it feels right in your heart. You just know, you know, for those of us who still haven't found our thing, for our peers out there listening, you know, what are, what can we do to find it? It's it's finding what ticks those boxes for you, like what makes you wake up in the morning? What do you enjoy doing? Like, do you enjoy, like, what are your hobbies? Is it like, like for me, my hobby at the moment is, or discipline at the moment is pottery. Like it's a creative outlet. Um, so... What were you good at at school? Like when people said to you as a kid, what, what were you like, oh, you're talented at that, finding that and then applying that focus to to that outlet that you've chosen, that, that career path. Like there's so many things we can all do, like get rid of that idea of making money quick. It's that internal satisfaction of what makes me feel good as a person? What do I get enjoyment out of? What do people enjoy me doing like when I walk into a room and someone says oh you've got a huge smile on your face it's I know why it's I'm in love with what I do uh it's not being selfish it's not being arrogant it's just I'm really comfortable with what I've chosen and I'm going to learn a lot from it and I'm going to inspire other people through it so it's also finding that like what do you when you talk to people about something what are they taking from that are they inspired by the way you talk about your job or is it just boring like water cooler talk like oh what are you oh i do this oh yeah oh yeah but i got a two-week holiday at the end of the year i'm going to bali with the family it's like so (laughs) i thought it's exactly 80 percent of our population don't enjoy their job they do that they they pick something to support it's changing that mentality of picking something that gives you that enjoyment that gives you that buzz and when all your friends are getting married and having kids and you're still setting up your business, don't worry. It will all come because they've got their happiness in their life, which are those things. Your happiness is your baby, your business, your your talent. You're harvesting that. You're growing that. Like, like a nursery, they're growing that plant. In winter, it's going to dry up a little bit. They might have to replant it, repot it. It's like us with our lives. We have to. Like for me, that smaller shop at the market wasn't working. We weren't making a turnover. I was hiring staff. We didn't have staff turnover, but I couldn't give people a career option. So I had to look at people working, at, uh, going to university. Now with this new shop, I can give people that that offer of a, a career path. I can turn it from a sole trader with people being surrounding me and my talent to being a small business and a company where I can harvest their talents and give them an opportunity. So it's coming back to it, it's 
it's not uh, yeah not being scared of your your big dream like write a big vision down or a big goal and then coming up with that smaller vision that's you know is attainable and through hard hard work and and, and discipline and find it like you might change it but don't ever feel like there's a an expiry date like don't feel like oh shit i'm 36 or 37 everybody else is married like my dad was married at 30 mum was no, dad was 30, mum was 20. It's a different <laughs> era. Um, don't feel like you have to, yeah, abide by society's rules because there's, no, there's no rules when it comes to success. It's define success for yourself and take away the monetary side of it. Just internalise what success means and then from there you'll find what it is that you should be doing with your, your life. And then if it doesn't work, that's fine. Fall forward. Learn from it. Like grieve, yes, like grieve for a day or two, but find one of those strong mentors who can read black and white with you and, and figure out where you went wrong and then learn from from that. And it could be anybody in your life, someone who tells it how, it how it is or someone you may know who knows someone who can tell you how it is and then listen to them, give them your story, your emotion and the non-emotional side of things. Like where did you go wrong? Did you spend all your money at the start? Like for me, when we started to finally make money i wanted to buy new clothes and fair you know, enough dad bloody he's my accountant and he he, you know, he saw caliber on there and he, <laughs> thanks dave when he rang up he's like what's caliber and i'm like oh, it's work clothes and he goes well i hope you wear those clothes every day <laughs> every price. single day every day yeah. <laughs> um the pottery classes he's like why are you doing that and i said i need an outlet i need a discipline like pottery is creative but it's also a discipline because you need to use your hands and every part of your hand to create and so that turns my brain off and it, yeah Huge. So many takeaways. <laughs> I love this. Look, Anthony, there's so much I don't even know. There's no left words to say. You know, over the last five years, Maker Amonga has grown to become one of the best cheese shops in the whole of the country, in the whole of Australia. And you yourself, you're recognised here and abroad as Australia's leading cheesemonger. You know, in 2018, you you were chosen as the first ever cheesemonger of Australia to be able to go to the Marcel Petit in the Jura Mountains of France and pick your very own flavour profile of cheese comté. You know, it's a it's the experiences you've had, the person you've become, the how inspiring your story is. We really appreciate you for it, and I think you know as as our peers out there are listening to this and they're kind of probably thinking, oh, how can I reach my goals and my dreams? I think it's just understanding where you came from and what you've been able to build for yourself. And so we we really appreciate, appreciate you for that. that. Thank you so much. Like, yeah, like when it gets dark, like say you're going through a breakup, whatever it may be, just go back to your vision. That it cures everything. Like for me, it was hard, hard, hard year, like last year and this year. And being able to go to Marcel Petit, like Huge. they're the... They're the spoils. Like the ultimate reward is what you're doing every day. And these are like the little box tickers that along the way, like they're the small victories. They're not the grand final. The grand final is when we're all old and we look back on our life and you go, yeah, you know, I contributed to society with whatever I chose. I helped someone along the way and I'm very satisfied with what I've done. Like I know I've I've got value. So It's huge. Our final question is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? 
yeah, it's the that internal satisfaction, uh, the the not having the anxiety, like not waking up every day with that anxiety of what you're doing, not having that angst of, oh, I should be doing something else. Like once you achieve that where you wake up every morning going, okay, what do I need to do to keep me going further and further along the path? Like they're the, the values that I, I love. Like um, uh, what's next? Like make Ramunga, we've opened our shop. We're going to have a killer Christmas. What do we do next year? Like do we expand, do we grow? It's having those humility, humble ideas about just continuing that vision. So in January, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to take a week off away from everything, away from the noise, go to some beach somewhere and just write down what's next for me personally and what's next for me as a, a business and what do I want to give my staff, like where do they, where do I see them, I want them to grow as well. So that's values as well, like I want people around me to now succeed. It's no longer maker and munger and and me on my own and just making sure i've got staff to cover it's okay i've got a great team of talented individuals who want a life as a cheesemonger as well now where do i want to be with that now i want to look at cheese makers who are struggling to to find end meat like ends meat and do they switch to powdered milk where there's a huge market for that in india and china or do i give them my learning of maturing cheeses and say okay let's go back to being a micro dairy and making an incredible product and let's get it out there at the market. Let's sacrifice with you on quality, get you there and then hit the market with it. So yeah, finding something internally that gives back to other people around you is, is so invaluable, whether it's your kids, whether it's your family, uh, whether it's your friends, um, industry, you, you need, you need that, like you need to help others as you help yourself because you don't learn as much. Like if you're struggling at night to read that book, it's like, okay, that book's going to benefit my business and benefit my what I'm trying to achieve. So I know that people around me are going to love that, like that marketing book or that um, core values group or whatever it may be. Me going for a swim tonight is going to put me in a better mind frame for tomorrow so the people around me are going to lift because it's the other thing is when you have a small business and people around you, they look to you for motivation because everyone else has got their problems too. So if you bring your problems to work, it's going to create a very negative. So you need to find that internal energy to just keep punching, as Rocky Balboa always says, like, just keep punching. So the others around you will lift, and when they lift, they subconsciously lift you as well. Um, so it's not putting on a mask. It's not pretending things aren't happening. It's putting in things in place like disciplines and triggers that when you feel those down moments that you can do those things, fall back on those things, fall back on that friend who might take you to a um, you know, sauna session or whatever it may be um, and then fall forward again and go, okay, tomorrow is a new day. Um, I mean, that's an old cliche, but it is. It's a new day and you've got a new checklist and you tick those boxes and then celebrate those ticking of those boxes, whether it's a glass of wine or it's a phone call with a friend or you call your parents or whatever it may be. So. Oh my goodness, so many takeaways. I absolutely love it. I thought the awesome. final question would be, what's your favourite cheese? <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite cheese? <laughs> uh, the one that means the most to me, which is the Comte. Just You can eat it any time of the day. It's a flavour profile that everybody loves and um, it's symbolic of my my career because when you look at the, the logo of a Marcel Petit Comte, you see the fort 
for me it was always when I started like how am I going to get to that place I want to visit that fort it's this incredible opening in the side of a hill it's called Fort Saint Antoine um, so you google it out there and, and have a look at it and I used to always stare at that on on the rind of that cheese on that wrapper and I was always I, I want to end up there and it happened visualize internalize realize That's visualize internalize realize that's going to be the title of this episode <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much no, thank you for having an me. absolute blast where can people learn more about you at um and maker and manga yeah so via our website so makerandmanga.com.au uh, instagram at maker and manga my personal one is the cheese manga so if you want to watch me make pottery and enjoy <laughs> cheese um, and in cheese journeys around the world, follow that one. But for everything shop and the world of cheese, yeah, maker and munger. And, yeah, the goal next year is to yeah, get more, more and more people eating cheese, whether it's cheese or vegan. Oh, yes. Yeah, like we're, we're teaming up with um, wow. Shannon Artinez from um, uh, Smith & Deli and Smith and & Daughter. And, Huge. Yeah, because... Vegan cheese, like texture and flavour is, it's controversial, but hey, it's there. Hey, it's the new thing. It's the new thing. Like, why can't people who choose to be vegan Mm. not be able to enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. So look out for that. We love that. We will be keeping our eye out. (laughs) Thank you so much again, Anthony. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>